0: Join us as we gather around the hedge where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking.
1: Well, hello, Yvonne. You're not in your she shed yet, are you?
0: I am not. But I hope to be by the time people are listening to this. It's getting really, really close and it's looking awesome. So we're going to do like a virtual She Shed welcome party.
1: Are you going to break a bottle of champagne across the door? Do we get to watch?
0: No, there will be plenty (laughs) of Diet Mountain Dew.
1: (laughs) You could break a bottle of Diet Mountain Dew across the door.
0: uh, Not unless I have somebody else lined up to clean that mess.
1: That's That's what your kids are for. If you haven't figured that out yet, that's what your kids are for. So, Tom, Tom's here today too. How's the plant, Tom? The plant
2: is good. It's still alive. It's uh we're on a streak now.
1: I know. We may have to stop asking about the plant because it's been alive for so long. We have to find something else to give Tom a hard time. Hey, Tom, how's the blog? Oh, the blog is uh not Dead. And not alive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we could uh, you know, we could also switch topics there if you wanted to. <laughs> To saying.
1: <laughs> and today we're joined by Todd Polino talking about getting things done. See, getting things done, getting the she shed done, getting the blogging done, making things work. How does that work out? So Todd, where are you physically? And tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: All right. So right now I am physically in Florida, but I split my time between Florida and Virginia. I'm probably about to head back because it's going to get too hot for me here shortly. Uh, We're we're rapidly approaching that point, Um, but I am a a site reliability engineer at LinkedIn, so I've been working remotely since about 2017 uh, when I moved back to this coast.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, I was actually at LinkedIn for three years. You may not know that, but I don't know that we've run into each other, but uh, yeah, I was actually under Sean Zandy over there. Oh, wow.
3: I know Sean well. I work with him and his team constantly. And I you know, still uh, touch base with a lot of those folks. Some of them have moved over to Microsoft now, but I actually uh, spend a lot of time working with that organization.
1: Okay. So let's start t- talk about getting things done. And I noticed here, you wrote this article in Usenix, which is what we're kind of covering or what we're kind of launching off of. And one thing that you said that was really fascinating to me was you started with this concept of my problems with inbox zero come from setting ourselves up to fail I think that is so true that we set our expectations and so let's talk about that first and where you were before you got into GTd or getting things done and then how that came into came into being
3: like a lot of people when when I first started you know this journey of working with GTd for doing my organization I was I had the inbox that had hundreds and hundreds of messages in it. And you know, it still drives me crazy every time I look at somebody's uh, taskbar and it has a little red bubble that says like 2000 on it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like everyone else, I treated my inbox like my work list. I would go down it constantly, look for the thing that I needed to do, pull it out, maybe work on it a little bit. Maybe I just read the email and then, and then put it away because I don't really want to do that thing yet. And then go on to something else, and you know, I, I kind of got in, interested in the the topic around the idea of Inbox Zero, but GTD is a lot more than that. It's Inbox Zero is just a small piece of how you keep your work organized instead of relying on reading something over and over and over again until you decide to actually work on it.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's absolutely true that. This is part of the way that we do handle tasks, right? I mean, we tend to pick something up, we look at it for five minutes and say, oh, well, I just don't feel like working on this any longer, so we quit.
3: Yeah, and, and frequently, the reason that we don't feel like working on it is because the work isn't well defined. So we'll get an email that says, hey, I need you to create this document. But creating the document isn't a single action that we can tackle. Before we have, to, before we can do something like writing a document, we actually have to think about what we want to put into it. We need to outline the document. We need to write a draft. Maybe we need to share it with a couple people to review uh, and then revise it again. And then we can send it back to the person who asked for it and said, here's the thing you asked me for. But it's not a single action. So when we look at that email, we get frustrated because the work isn't well-defined for us. And that's the other thing about, you know, it's not just emptying your inbox to zero, but it's taking each of those things and defining it well enough so that you've broken it down into discrete tasks. And as engineers, you know, we're familiar with this. Like when we go in and do sprint planning in JIRA or whatever else we're using, we have to break down the work that we're doing into individual discrete tasks that can fit in a single ticket or in a single sprint. So it's the same idea just for all your work not just those programming projects you have coming up.
1: So I guess we should just run through the getting things done process and talk about how that works. I think you said there are five core steps.
3: Yes. So the the first and I don't have the list in front of me, so I'm not going to go down the the steps necessarily in order. But the first thing is to collect all of the information. And that's what your inboxes are for. So you have email inboxes. You have physical inboxes. So maybe you have, like, back here on my desk, I've got a pile of papers that I need to go through, uh, mail that's come in. I have little notes that I've written all over the place. Uh, I have a notebook that I've jotted down things in. So all of those are are various inboxes that you have. So the first thing is to collect all of that in one place. And the next step is to actually go through it. So this is where you're going to go down each item, look at it, figure out what it is, and figure out what the very next thing you have to do with it is. And there's a nice defined process that I've gone through in the article for doing this. So you take a given inbox, and we say, let's say it's an email box and you take the very first email off the top. And this is important. Don't pick and choose and go through the list in a random order. Start from the top and work your way down because it'll, it'll give you consistency and it'll force you to deal with each item in order. So you take the very first thing on the top and you say, what is this to me? Is this something I have to do? Is it something I need to know? Or is it something that I don't care about? So if it's just something you need to know, that's a piece of reference material. So you need to file that away somewhere. If it's a physical piece of paper, maybe you put it in a file folder. If it's a document, maybe you put it in the right place on your computer so you can find it later. I love using uh, Google search to to find all my things later. So I usually toss things in Drive or I just archive them in email where I can search for them later. So that's great. Reference items out of the way. No problem. If it's something you have to do, then you need to make a decision about how you're going to handle that. The way the system works, if the item is going to take you less than two minutes to do, just do it now. Just get it done and out of the way because it's going to take you more time to write it in and and track it in your system than it is to just get it done. So you do those two-minute items. If it's going to take more than two minutes, you then need to make a decision about what does it require for you to do this. Uh, every action that you have to take has a context that you have to be in to take that action so if you're going to if you need to make a phone call then you need to have a phone with you so that's the context for that thing you, you need a phone if you're going to run an errand then you need to be in the location where you you need to do the thing so i have contexts in my system that are labeled things like home depot or post office or grocery store so that I can keep track of the things that I need to do when I'm in that context. So you assign a context to it, and then you decide if it has a specific time that it has to be done by. If it does have a specific time or date that it has to be done by, then you generally put it on your calendar. And calendar is an example of a trusted system. So all of us trust our calendar. Well, hopefully most of us trust our calendars. Right. To Rightly
1: t- or wrongly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I do at least, at least for work. Um, you know, I, I expect my calendar to tell me when I have a meeting and where that meeting is and what the relevant information is for that meeting. Um, so you, if you've got a, an action that needs a specific time to do it, you put it in your calendar, you block off the time for it to make sure that you're reminded to do it when it's due. And if it's not, then you just put in a list for the context that it's in. So you might have a list of phone calls you need to make, or a list of things you need to read, or a list of things you need to pick up the next time you're at Home Depot. And that's pretty much your organization. If the thing that you pulled off of your inbox isn't reference material, and it isn't an action to take, then it's trash. Just get rid of it. Throw it out. And as you go down your inbox doing all of these things, you're going to empty out that inbox completely. And that's where you get to inbox zero. As soon as you empty it, it's gonna fill back up again. That's just the way it is. But if you consistently go through and empty it and you move those items into a system where you can track actions, that is going to stop you from reading each thing over and over and deciding what it is every time. So the key here is to only read a piece of information once. You read it once, you decide what it is, and then you move on to the next thing.
2: So this, this whole process of filtering through all your inputs and, and categorizing them, processing is how I would label it in my mind. How often do you process and how do you find the balance? Like if you, if you process three times a day, your inbox would
3: always be empty, right? So how does that work? Yeah, you need to pick the cadence that's right for you. So I usually find that processing my inboxes once a day is enough for me. If I've done that and I'm responding to those emails and other things in a timely manner, a day is enough lag time for most people. If it's more than a day, people tend to get antsy every once in a while. And I'll triage things throughout the day even so, but I try to stay away from my inbox after I've gone through it. So what I'll do is I'll go through my inboxes in the morning, sort out the few things that are in there, and then move on to my work for the day. So that's one type of review that I do of processing through those inboxes. The other thing that I do and the other part of this system is and the reason you get to trust it is because every week you do a complete review of everything that you've collected. So that starts with your collection and your processing and clearing out your inboxes. But then it moves on to taking a look at every single thing in your system and figuring out if it's still correct. So. This way, you go through every project and every action you've written down, make sure it's still the next thing that you have to do for each project, and think of any things that it triggers. Like You might look at a project and say, oh, I forgot I wanted to do this thing. Let me write that down into my system real quick. But by going through that every week, you're assured that you're constantly looking at every single item, and it helps your brain to trust that you've got everything in that system.
1: So you said that you rely on search very heavily. I actually tend to rely on a combination of tagging, searching, and folders because I find that it's easier for me to get into context if I put everything in a single folder for a particular project rather than having it all in my inbox and just trying to, or whatever it is. Now, do you do the same thing or do you just have like one big folder outside your inbox?
3: It depends on what the type of reference material is. If it's something for an active project, then I tend to do what you do. I have a single place where I've got that collected. And usually it's not a single place. Usually it's like two places because I'll have maybe a web browser window with a few tabs that are open that are relevant to that project. And I might have a notes folder uh, or a notes document on another device where I've, I've written down notes or things that I need to know about it. So I'll do those two things. If it's physical information, then I'll often have a file folder that I collect that information in. So for example, when I did my taxes this year, I had a file folder that had all of the mail that came in that was relevant to taxes, so that when I sat down to actually do them, I had the one folder that I could open up and take care of everything. And then when I finished up, I scanned it all in to make sure it was on the computer so that I don't have to keep physical copies of anything later. But for reference material that I might not, that might not be directly associated with a project, I'll rely on Gmail search to get that information for me later. So if it's a discount code for something, I'll just throw it into email, maybe make a note somewhere in my actions. like if I say like I've got a list of stuff for Home Depot and I know I've got a coupon code for Home Depot that I want to use later, I'll note it in there so that I can remember to go back and search for it.
0: So I have varied relationships with systems and my tendency, I get excited about a system. I implement it and it's great. And then I am less excited about it and I have a hard time like keeping it. So every year or two, like I try a new system. What's your guidance for folks who get caught in that cycle? Like how do you, how do you just keep it going Because to me, all of this just sounds like administrative burden, which I love.
3: It can be a little bit of administrative overhead, but the way I keep going with this is I make sure that I set aside the time in my calendar to do the steps and I hold myself to it. So I have a half an hour blocked out in my calendar every morning to go through emails and and do that processing daily that I want to do. And I don't allow other people to schedule over that time. I hold that for myself. The same thing with my weekly review on Fridays. I have a two-hour block scheduled on Friday for my weekly review. And I don't allow anyone, work or otherwise, to schedule over that time. The only time that I might change that is if I, you know, when we all were flying places, if I was going to be on a plane to like flying to the office or something, I might move that weekly review to the time I was going to be on the plane so that I can, I know I'm going to have some time set aside there. But other than that, those, those blocks of time always stay consistent. So having that be consistent is one step for me to make sure I stay with the system. The other thing is it's important to work from that system. So, If you were to look at my computer over here where I do my work, I have one large screen where I do all my work, and then I have my laptop screen open. And on my laptop screen is OmniFocus, which is the piece of software that I choose to use for getting things done. And that has all of my projects and all of my actions listed in it. And that's what I work from. When I complete something, I look at that system to see what's the next thing I need to do. It can be challenging to find a system that works for you. Like OmniFocus works for me. It doesn't work for everyone. Some people like physical paper and they carry around a block of note cards that have all their actions and projects on them. Some people will use a standard to-do list and will keep everything in that and organize it the way they need to. I've gone through a few different systems myself, but I always end up coming back to OmniFocus because it uh, works the way I want it to.
2: That's a really interesting idea to have it on a screen in front of you all the time. Most of us have multi monitor setups so we can do that sort of thing. That's a really good idea.
3: Yeah, it used to be that Slack was the thing that was on my laptop screen in front of me all the time. And once that was for a period of time when I was not doing GTD, and that's really great because I put the thing that interrupts me constantly on my screen. As soon as I got back into doing this, I switched that and put OmniFocus on there, which really reinforces that I don't want to work from the interrupts. I want to work from the things that I've defined.
2: Yeah. And you get to define your own agenda rather than having all those people on
3: Slack drive you according to their agenda. Exactly. And same thing happens with email. You get an email and suddenly that becomes the most important thing on your list. Now, every once in a while, I've got an interrupt that has to be handled. My boss will come to me and say, so-and-so needs this and needs it in three hours. And so I have to drop everything and work on that. But the nice thing about having my work organized in OmniFocus is it makes it easy to deal with that interrupt and then go back to where I was, especially when you're working in an environment where you're on call or you're prone to being interrupted constantly Having all of your information and all of your next actions in one place makes it far easier to task switch because humans don't multitask. We really only task switch. And the, that task switching can take a lot of time and a lot of effort if you don't have everything tracked in one place. So I always know that I can go back and see what was the, what's the next thing I have to do on the project that I was working on.
2: So the question I have is, what kind of impact have you noticed are you getting more things done or are you getting the same things done and have better satisfaction or
3: what's the impact? In general, I get more things done. So the first impact is on me. I get more things done and I feel calmer about it. The human brain isn't very good at keeping lists of things active. The way the human brain works to keep a list active is your brain constantly runs down every item in the, in the list to keep it fresh in your brain. So by writing things down and tracking them in an outside system, I relieve my brain of that pressure of keeping track of those lists so I can get things done and I feel better about it. I get more things done because I'm not constantly forgetting about things that I have to do and having to remind myself of them later when I see the email again. The other thing that happens is more external. People find me to be more responsive. Because if I see an email and the email has a two-minute response, I will just respond to it right then and be done with it. If I see an email and it's a really hairy, ill-defined piece of work, whereas previously I would just ignore it and ignore it and ignore it until I couldn't ignore it anymore. Now, by having to go through and do the, the clarify step of GTD, I'm forced to define what the next action is on that. So even if I don't define the entire project, I can say, okay, the very next thing I have to do on this is I need to talk to so-and-so and get this piece of information. And that becomes the next thing on my list. And that therefore, the next time I'm talking to that person, I have the list of items that I needed to talk to them about. I get the next piece of information, and then at my next weekly review, I say, okay, what's the next thing off for this project? I cleared off the last item. What's the very next item? So you not only get more done, but people see that you're getting more done too.
0: And I think sometimes we we, especially in, in the world in which we live, like there's this constant rush to just continually do more. And I think actually systems can help you build margin in right? And go, this is the margin or this is the space I've allowed for work. And this is the space that I've allowed for other things, for family, for hobbies, for life. And it it gives you a better picture of everything going on. So you can even plan better, right? Like, no, I know I've got these things on my list, this one is going to go at the end or it's going to go at the beginning and it's going to push these other things down. But I think when we don't have situational awareness of all that we have to do, we'll just say yes to get whatever's flashing in front of us to go away. And then all of a sudden we've either overcommitted or, or we just forget that we've said yes. And we disappoint and let people down. And then we take time out of the margins, which is typically like our family and those people suffer, right? That's the other piece.
1: Tyranny of the immediate. Yeah, and and you see it constantly.
3: I mean, we have phrases that we say around this. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, the, the email that pops into the top of your box gets the attention first, whereas that might not be the most important thing you have to work on at that time. One of the other things that I do is I actually don't, spend a lot of time separating work and home items in my system. So my my OmniFocus has everything, whether it's work, personal, family things, they're all together in that list. Because sometimes the very next thing that I can do might not be the thing for work, even though it's the middle of the workday. I might be I might have 5 minutes and I'm waiting for a meeting and there's something that I can go pop off my list and do and it might be something for home that I need to go and do. Uh, but by having everything in one place it lets me pick and choose and I don't the other thing I don't do is I don't prioritize items in those lists. The human brain's actually pretty good about looking at a list of things that you could be doing and deciding what the most important one is. So you, you tend to pull off the most important ones anyways. The flip side of that is if you don't pull off the most important thing from a list of items, it's probably because the most important thing isn't well defined yet. And you'll see that in your weekly review. You'll see that when you go over the list, you'll say, I've been putting this off. Why am I putting this off? It's because there's something I need to do first before I can actually sit down and do that. And then you can add that into your system and, uh, and move that forwards.
2: That prioritization, I think, is a big part of what Yvonne was saying about the administrative burden. If I can just put a list of things and forget about it and not think about the relative importance, that's a lot different effort than, oh, now I got to figure out what's spend all this time, priority one, two, three.
3: Yeah. When people think about organizational systems, they think about that administrative burden that, you know, I've got to prioritize this. I've got to put a due date on it. I've got to do X, Y, and Z just to be able to organize it. GTD tends to keep it fairly simple with regards to that. It doesn't, the first thing it does is it does not prescribe any specific piece of software or any any specific system that you have to use. Like there isn't, it's not that you have to go and buy this particular folder with these particular pages in it and do it that way. There's lots of different ways of implementing it. The other thing is it tries to avoid a lot of that overhead of prioritization by saying, you know what, just organize things according to the context you need to be in to do that work. If it's a phone call, it's a list of phone calls. If you need to have internet access or if you need to have your computer in front of you, then that's the context. That way, when you're in that context, you pull up the list that's associated with it and you can pick off the thing very easily. Instead of a list of 100 things that you have to do, it's actually only three things that are phone calls that you could do right now.
1: Let's go back through. I mean, capture, organize, clarify, reflect, and engage. Those are the five steps that are in the GTD system. So which of those have we covered well and which of those could we use more coverage on to help people understand?
3: So we've we've covered Capture. Capture is just making sure that every time you have a thought, you write it down and put it in an inbox. And an inbox might just be your pocket. So like I always carry around a notebook with me that I can jot things down into. Organize is that process of going through those inboxes and moving those things into your system. Clarify is about defining what things are and breaking them down into those individual actions, which you usually do at the same time you're doing the organized step. Reflect is the way GTD calls reflect is that's the weekly review that I'm referring to. Whereas the organized step I do daily, that's not really that review. Reflect is that process of going through the entire system and looking at every single item and making sure it's still in the right place. It's that process of not only giving your brain comfort that you captured everything because you're looking at it constantly, but also giving you space to be creative and find the next thing. And then engage is really just about doing the work. That's about me sitting down here with my system in front of me and picking the next thing off my list and, and getting it marked off, getting it done and moving on to the next thing. Those five steps are really the active process of getting most of your work done. The other thing that's not covered in there, and is kind of part of the reflect step, but is separate, is what's called horizons of focus. And this is the idea of looking ahead to what's going to happen, you know, wh- wh- where do you, where you want to be later? This is the thing that everyone always, you know, asks you, oh, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? That's the horizons of focus step. And it's, it's not about doing the work, but it's making sure the work that you're doing aligns with where you want to be in the future. The reason it's called Horizons of Focus is because it's structured in terms of altitude. So you have what's on the runway, and that is this five-step process of doing your work. That, that's the, the stuff, you know, stuff that's on the ground that you're doing every day. And then you start looking at 10,000 feet, 20,000 feet, 30,000 feet, 40,000 feet, which are various different views of your work. So 10,000 feet might be looking at the projects that you have going on from the point of view of a project and not an individual action. 20,000 feet is more about, you know, next six to 12 months, what are the things that you need to be doing? 30,000 is a little further out. I think that's generally one year to three years out. You know, kind of, you know, what's the direction you want to be heading in on a longer term? Whereas 40,000 feet and above is more about that five to 10 year plan, life goals, where do you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's all about reviewing those and making sure that everything aligns with where you want to be. There's a famous statement of, you know, if you don't know where you want to go, then any path will take you there. Similarly, if you don't know where you want to be in five years, then any job will get you there. Any work you do will get you there because you don't really care. But if you know where you want to be in five years, whether that's family, you know, from a family point of view, from a work point of view, it allows you to pick and choose the projects now that align with that later, that move you in that direction. So just like, Planning your work using the five-step system is always about looking at what's the very next action I can do to move this forwards. The horizons of focus are what's the very next project I can do to move in this direction where I want to be later.
2: So Todd, I wanted to back up a little bit in everything about capturing. To me, the way you've described it is you're going to have to do something with everything that comes at you. Does the GTT system have any opinion about deflecting work and not doing work just because someone told you to do it?
3: Sure. I mean, there is the concept of delegation of work. So somebody comes to you and tells you, you know, says, I need X. You have to decide first off for yourself, regardless of whether you're in GTD or not, if you're going to do that. Like, is this something that's important to do or not? You don't have to do everything yourself. Some of us are responsible for planning work for other people. And you know, whether that's a child or a you know, subordinate at work or a peer at work that you're, you're dealing with, I have sections in my system that are things that other people are doing that are important to me and I need to check in on. So I have a list for my colleague, Stephen, of the things that we've talked about that he's going to do. And I have them on, you know, on an agenda so that I can look when I'm talking to him and go down the list and make sure we check on each one of them and that they're being followed up on. Because if Stephen was doing GTD, then I could trust that he would, he would always come back with what I needed when we, when we discussed it, but not everyone does GTD and therefore, and not everyone prioritizes things in their system the same way anyways. So, you know, you always want to check in and make sure you have a follow-up on that. But certainly um, as part of your organized step, you can decide that this work is not something that you're going to do, but something that you're going to ask someone else to do.
0: One uh, one helpful tip that I heard is is, as you're flagging things, have a waiting for flag. Like these are the things that I'm waiting for for someone else to do my next step. And so as you're doing your regular review, you can look at that the, you're waiting for list and then reach out to those people or follow up on, you know, whatever that thing is to schedule your next step, right? But, exactly. but it doesn't completely fall out of your range of view. I think a lot of us are like, oh, well, I'm waiting on somebody else for that. So I just put it aside, breeze past it. But If you don't have a mechanism to check up on that, you're relying on somebody else to trigger your next action.
3: Exactly. And that's the key to the reflect step is making sure that you check on those things because it allows your brain to forget about them in the meantime. And then you you see them at least once a week, depending on how often you do that review. Uh, the other thing that you do in your, you know, the other thing you collect, not just a waiting for, but I have a some, what's called a someday maybe list. And that's in the system as well. And that's a project that I thought about, And I might want to do it at some point, but I don't want to start right now. So for a while, I had run a marathon on my someday maybe list. Like it was something that I I thought I might want to do. And then eventually, a while back, I decided to do something about that project because I had been looking at it every week and I decided that now was the right time. And I moved it to my active list and I said, okay, what's the very next thing I need to do to move this forwards? And I got started on it. But by having those things listed in a folder somewhere that I can look at, it, again, allows me to not have to think about them constantly. The the key to the capture step, and and Tom, you're kind of getting to this, that everything that comes your way, you have to do something with. The key to that, though, is to only have them come your way once, only have a thought once. The first time you have a thought, you write it down. And then it goes into your inbox and it enters this system so that you don't have that thought three or four times. If it's important, you'll do something about it. If it's not, you know that you've thought about it and you can move on to the next thing.
2: I could see some real cognitive benefits from that. Without all that stuff constantly circling in your mind, you probably have room to think about other things, right?
3: Absolutely. The metaphor that I've used and others have used as well is the idea of a kitchen. If your kitchen is clean, if your counters are clear and everything's put away and you know where everything is, then it's very easy to go into that kitchen and be creative. If your kitchen's a disaster, you're not going to want to go in there and be creative.
2: Yeah, it's a good metaphor.
0: When I think, I often think about the reasons we often struggle either with sleep or to disconnect from work or you know, and and sometimes there there are stressors in our lives that we can't control that cause those things. But oftentimes it's because we have this list running through our head that wakes us up in the middle of night because we either forgot this thing or we didn't write it down. And we think, oh well, I'll get to that tomorrow. And having a place to put that frees you when you go to bed to lay down and not constantly run over the list in your mind because you've got it. I mean, there, there are all these ancillary benefits um, from health to mental strain to uh, you know family life that uh, you get when you have a system that works.
3: Yeah. I, I've said it already. Uh, I'll say it again because it's so important. The brain is horrible at these types of things. Our brains are great at being creative. Our brains are great at Actually, doing work and helping us to do work, they are awful at storing information in a way that can be retrieved on demand. Instead, what happens is you store information and it gets triggered by a song that you hear or, or something else. You think about the idea of you know, you pick up a flashlight in your house and you realize that it has no batteries. But when do you pick up that flashlight and realize that it has no batteries? You do that when you actually need the flashlight. And then when you're standing in the grocery store in the aisle where the batteries are, you don't remember that you need batteries for that flashlight. You think about something else and it doesn't come up again until you pick up the flashlight to use it and you remember, oh yeah, I was supposed to get batteries for this.
0: And you may know that there was a thing that you needed, but you can't remember with specificity what the thing you was that was that you needed and what you need to do to fix that problem, right? It's, it's maddening, but it's the human experience.
1: By the way, I think, I think one thing about these systems is is that we tend to think you have to do the whole thing or nothing. And I think that you can often pick the best pieces out for your life and get halfway there and still be pretty effective. And uh, you know, it may not, the whole system may not work for you. You may just have to pick the pieces out that you want to so, Todd, where can people get in touch with you or follow your work? I know this was published in Usenix, but is there any other places that people might want to look for your work?
3: So the best places to engage with me are usually either on LinkedIn. Surprise, surprise. I actually you know pay attention to LinkedIn since I do work there. Or you can catch me on Twitter. My handle on Twitter is BonkOif, B-O-N-K-O-I-F, and I'm usually on and off there and and either talking about something important or complaining at customer service organizations, because that's what Twitter is for. I have, in the past, written books and done a lot of presentation on Kafka, but that is not my world, Apache Kafka, piece of software. Not my world anymore, so um, I'm happy to point you to other people who are interested in that space, but I am always willing to uh, engage and answer questions on LinkedIn, easiest way to find me.
1: Okay, cool. And Yvonne, where can people get in touch with you or follow what you're working on?
0: Yep, Uh, on Twitter at Sharp Network, uh, LinkedIn at uh, Yvonne Sharp, and uh, periodically blogging at esharp.net.
1: How often is the period now?
0: It's probably been a couple months. I've got a couple ideas I'm kicking around, and I need a system to help me do a better job of getting these things done.
1: And Tom? Where can people get in touch with you if they want to talk about what you're working on or follow you or see what you're doing other than your dead blog? <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem is I have
2: this big vat full of uh, ideas that are like half finished. I've got like 10 of them that could become blog articles, but they just never made it. You, you need
1: the GTD too, don't you?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm on uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And you can find me on Twitter at Tom Ammon. Okay.
1: Awesome. I'm Russ White. You can find me at rule11.tech. here on the hedge. LinkedIn, don't PM me on Twitter because I don't answer PMs on Twitter. I do answer PMs on LinkedIn, but not on Twitter. So, you know, that's just another place not to talk to me. And thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hedge and we'll catch you next time.
0: Subscribe to The Hedge on your favorite podcast service or follow along at rule11.tech.